Merry Christmas. My name is Brad Watson, and this is the Saturate Podcast's Advent devotional called Preparing Room. This is a 25-day reflective journey through the themes of Advent, as well as the themes of being the people God called us to be, so I hope that you will enjoy it. In addition to this devotional, we also have resources on Advent that I'd love for you to check out at saturatetheworld.com. One is the Advent Community Guide, which will help you have engaging conversations throughout this season as your community gets together. There's also crafts and coloring sheets for children, as well as alternative ways to use it with your children and family gatherings. So it's a great resource just to use with families as well. Also, we have a holiday missional community planning guide that will help leaders engage and plan for this season so that people will grow in your community in their love for God during this season, their love for one another in this season, and their love for their neighbor this season. So make sure you check both of those out. And with that, let's engage today's reflection. Good times have come, so go tell it on the mountain. We tell the stories that matter most to us and our world. The stories you tell at parties and over dinner and even in small talk have two overlapping qualities. You like them, and you think the people around you will like them as well. The stories we tell reveal what matters most to us. It reveals what we believe is good and what's right and what's happy and what's sad. And and families have stories that are so important they get told over and over again. And the way into a family is to know those stories. One of my family's revered stories happened last year, and it was an instant classic. Last November, during our first Christmas in Los Angeles, we found, after much research, a farm only an hour away that would allow you to cut down your own Christmas tree. So we loaded the kids, a good friend, and my wife's aunt into our van and drove out of Los Angeles to fulfill our family's Christmas destiny. And the farm was nice, and we found a good tree, and we cut it down and carried it down the hill, and the people there measured how tall it was, and we paid, and a nice teenage boy who worked there carried it to our car and and tied the the bundled-up Christmas tree onto our roof. And then we were on our way back home over the dry, rolling hills of the 101. It was a beautiful day, and the drive had a healthy soundtrack of James Taylor and Mariah Carey. Then, as we were driving 70 miles an hour through traffic, we heard something on the roof. Then out of the back of the van, we saw it. Our tree tumbling behind us. Mirella shouted, Our tree! Our tree! Our children turned in their seats and saw what we all saw. Our $90 hand-picked tree rolling down an L.A. freeway. Our oldest daughter wept. This is the worst Christmas ever. This is the worst day of my life. Our second child cried. Let's just go to Target and get a fake tree. Just a fake tree. Our son, who was two, finally realized what had happened and he just cried. I was in shock. Amidst all the wailing, Mirella and I tried to figure out what to do. I wasn't about to go back and get another $90 tree. 
and I wasn't going to go to Target either. But Mirella decided that the best thing would be to go back and try to get what was lost, to redeem the very tree that bailed on our family Christmas. So reluctantly, I turned around and we, we drove three miles back before circling again and looking for our tree. Our children were filled with some glimmer of hope, but I was certain we would add salt to their wounds when they saw the trampled and destroyed tree. But there it was, sitting neatly on the edge of the left-hand lane. And fortunately, it was there in a small stretch where there was a shoulder and a space for our van to pull off on the side of the highway. And then in my finest and perhaps dumbest moment as a dad, I ran down the highway, I grabbed our tree, I ran back, shoved it inside our van, and slammed the door. I had saved Christmas. The children cheered. The singing continued, and we haven't stopped telling that story because it makes us happy. Those we tell it to laugh, and they're in shock. It invokes a response, a memory. For those of you listening, it brings you into my world and my family. It's a good story. The good news announced by the angels in Luke 2.10 is a story that causes great joy for all people. It's a story that gets told often. The storytellers are angels, creatures from the kingdom of heaven, and then shepherds, creatures from the wilderness. The angels only share the story once. They go to the shepherds, they scare them, they declare the good news of the birth of a child and where to find him. The shepherds respond by by racing to find and see this Savior and this baby for themselves. In fact, they tell each other, let's go and see this thing that's happened, this important thing. The good news and the story is historical. It's an event that's occurred. And now they're to go and see it for themselves. One of the very shocking things about this is that the shepherds are not part of the story. It has nothing to do with them except that Jesus was born to them. They're not an actor or a demonstrator in it other than the power to tell the story. The power to go and see it for themselves. And that's one of the the great things about the angel story. The angels tell the shepherds the story. And they tell these people who respond. And they respond to the story by going and seeing. The, The angels enable space and then they give them direction. They say, this is where you will find salvation, glory, and peace. Go there. The angel story says, ends with, hey, and you can go find him yourself. Now, I wonder how often we tell the story of the gospel with that kind of invitation, where we say, here's the good news about Jesus. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's established the church. And then we say, come be part of my community to see him for yourself. Here's where you can go to find that love and that forgiveness. I'm convinced one of the biggest weaknesses in evangelism is not just telling people the story, which we struggle with, 
but telling them where they can continue to look for Jesus after we've told them the story. We struggle to invite and to direct them to the spaces where Jesus is on display. But the angels aren't the only messengers. The shepherds go and they find. They found the baby and having seen him, they spread the word. All who heard it were amazed. The shepherds became like angels. They became newsmen. They, they told everyone and, and everyone that they could find. They shared it in the streets. They shared it all over the town, the whole area. And then the shepherds returned. The shepherds went back to Jesus. They went out telling, and then they came back praising They gazed at Jesus, told other people about his his coming. They made known the glory and the peace of God. And then they came back to see him anew, to see him yet again. And this is why Christmas matters in the church. It's why we need to be reminded of the story of Jesus. We need to be reminded of the rich joy in sharing the story of Jesus. And we need to be brought back, not to the altar, but to the manger yet again. And it's that that breathing in and that breathing out of, of seeing Jesus and finding him and seeing the peace and the joy and the love that he has, even as we go and tell it on the mountain, as the song says. We become storytellers and we become engulfed in the story. See, the gospel is a story, not a list of facts. It's the story about God redeeming, rescuing, and recreating his whole world. The story of God is about him taking it upon himself to save us from death and to bring us to life. The gospel is the true story and only trustworthy account of what has been done and what can be done to redeem the world. The story is good news. The gospel is the compelling story that doesn't fall flat on meaning. It's the story that satisfies our longings for purpose and joy. It's the greatest story because it instructs us how to live with faith in close relationship with God. And furthermore, this story, the story, the gospel, this announcement, it creates community. The story of God uh, and of God coming to earth, this incarnation makes a new people characterized by grace because the story is about grace, the gift of God to the world. This is the story the world must hear. We, like the shepherds, are lowly and unworthy. And God not only comes to us, but he works through us. He raises us to the incredible position of telling the greatest story ever known. And to tell it throughout our town and our neighborhoods and our world. So I invite you, how can you become a person like the shepherds who continues to see Jesus and also invites people to him? And how can we grow in becoming the kind of storytellers that say, hey, this is what Jesus is, this is what he's all about. Also, this is where you can continue to discover him. Come into my community. Come into my life. 
and see for yourself. What an amazing privilege to be like the shepherds, to be engulfed in God's story. Wait, before you go, I just want to say a few things about a new resource that's come out recently called The Gospel Basics for Kids. It's an amazing resource that we hope that you'll check out. It's for preschool-aged children, and it guides these kids through discussions and story and music and crafts and illustrations and coloring sheets, all to introduce these young children to the important discipleship uh, realities of gospel, identity, rhythms, and essentially the way that we teach and train and disciple adults, we're doing it for kids because our children are not the disciples of the future, they're the disciples of today. And so go to saturatetheworld.com or amazon.com to learn more about the gospel basics for kids and get your copy.